So there's a study that says that children smile 300 times a day, but adults only 15. Now, I don't know who went around counting how many times a little kid smiles, but it's probably true. You know, I mean, kids, their, their whole life is open to humor. They, they have no fear. Adults, what happens? We start working, and someone has come up with a program that in order to be productive, you have to be very serious. And it's gotten to the point where people are so tightly wound and so stressed out that you get to work, and now you're terrified of the two letters. Right? I know I am. I remember our first HR director. And, I, and I'm a lawyer, right? So I'm, I, our first HR director, and I, I don't think she liked me, okay, because there was a guy who delivered the mail around to all the offices. And I felt bad because people, they didn't speak with him that much. Uh, and so what I told him is, get in the mail cart, all right? And I, and I pushed him around as fast as I could around the office, and then she caught me. So, and I got, you know, get that look that, you know. You know. <laughs> but it, honestly, it's not HR's fault. It's the lawyers. We're the ones who come up with those big, thick HR manuals that you have to read, right? And can I tell you, there is no federal or state law that says that humor is illegal. Not at work, not anywhere. Now, when I talk about humor, I don't mean insulting someone, because that's not humor. And also, I'm not talking about when you're using it, use a joke at the beginning of a speech, because actually that's expected. And the greatest humor is when it's unexpected. See, that's the key. All right, we're used to humor over here in the fun part of our life, vacations, family, but not over here in the serious world. But here is where it's your greatest asset, where people need it, where it's unexpected, and where it provides the greatest benefit. That's what all the evidence says. And when people doubt that, I say, well, then put humor on trial. If we did, my opening statement would be, ladies and gentlemen, stress is at its highest in the workplace right now, costing businesses billions, right? And at the same time, companies are striving to find a positive, inclusive, and healthy workplace culture, and at the same time, trying to figure out, well, how do we communicate at a time when technology is at its fastest, but everyone's walking around with their head down? Humor. And I'll bring in witnesses who will testify to this. First, it'll be from the Mayo Clinic. And they'll tell you how healthy humor is for us physically. And then from Oxford, who will tell you about the study that said that, what, that laughter, it releases these endorphins, that chemical in the brain that, that lowers stress and lifts us emotionally. And then from NASA, the researchers who in 2019 said that on that first trip to Mars, one of the crucial skills for the astronauts, maybe a sense of humor, because it's so important for collaboration, creative thinking, group dynamics. And then we'll bring in someone also from the field of education. Why not? For, to talk about at Stanford, the graduate school has a course now called Humor. It's a serious business. Because humor now offers one of the most competitive advantages in business today. And all of these witnesses will say the same thing. Why aren't you using humor more? You know, what's in the way? Well, it's not the lawyers, but uh, maybe a little. Uh, <laughs> now, it's fear. You know, you're afraid of making a mistake, afraid of breaking a rule, afraid that, that not everyone is doing it. 
But when you look at companies that use it, that embrace humor, they're very successful. You know, besides the advertisers, think about what you get on a plane. Right, so the flight attendant's giving a speech about a, a pretty important subject, right? If there's a plane crash, right? So the speech starts like this. In the event of a water landing, because commercial airliners are always landing on water, right? uh, and everyone's, everyone's got their head down like this. If you're my daughter, you're, you're taking a selfie like that. And flight attendant starts using humor. And what happens? Everyone looks up and listens, right? Because humor lets you see the person behind the employee, and it builds trust. It's an attribute of the greatest leaders in history. What we love to do with our friends, why we married our spouse or left him for someone else, why videos go viral, why you race to the Super Bowl commercials, but you fast forward through all the other ones. And it's what lifts us when we're down. You see, we naturally gravitate to humor. It's one of the few things we have in common with everybody on the planet. Almost everyone. So I was a mayor of a town, Illinois, about 60,000 people. And a person said to me, you have got to get people to stop at stop signs. So I wrote up about 25 sayings, and we put them <laughs> under all the stop signs. And it got you know, all kinds of attention. We got nice mean attention. And, and actually heard from six different countries. And the BBC, they, they, they wanted to do an interview. So the reporter starts asking me questions. I was very proud. You know, I, here's, here's a science, and told her all the sayings. And she just stared at me, and she said, right, but are any of them actually funny? I said, that's why we left you people 250 years ago. Okay. <laughs> it wasn't the taxation thing, okay? It's, it's the humor, okay? So you may say to yourself, okay, fine. I'd love to have humor at work. I'd love to have more humor in my life. How do I do this, right? But you don't see that much online out there about that, okay? So some of the things you see, not quite so sure I would do those. Um, so the first one uh, that you see is, well, read joke books. I think, <laughs> no, no. The second one, think of funny things. So you're sitting there at work and your boss walks by and you're, you know, it's, now, be mindful and present. I don't know what that means. Right? And, and avoid conversations that frighten you. Oh, okay, so you could do those, or, or how about these? First, first, I want you to see the humor in life's anxious and imperfect moments. Right, this is the person who's walking in front of your car in a parking lot like they're the only person on the planet. Right? It's people's faces when, the, when their flight gets canceled, you know, or the guy on the phone who's, who's pushing the buttons, saying agent, agent, agent at the airport, uh, or the person with 16 items in the 15-item uh, grocery line, that express line. And honestly, can I tell you, I, for those people that do that, I think that every siren in the store should go off. I think the manager should rush that person and take them right to prison if you can't count to 15. It's three fives, right? So you have to see the humor and then share that story in a more serious setting. So there was a situation with me that, and I used to get so angry at those police outside of the airports because every time I would pull up, they'd be like, come on, come on, move your car, come on, keep pulling, go, 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 go. I'm, I'm just dropping someone off. Just push them out, just push them out, like, push them out, come on. So I, I, I had to do something for my own self about this. So I, I drove up the car one time years ago and I dropped my family off 
And I walked over to the police officer, and you know, and she saw they stare because they've got this scent that the car is stuck. I said, "Listen, um, I'm going to park the car there in that middle lane for about hour, hour and a half, and when I get back, if you could have it washed, uh, and I'd like one of those um, venti mochas." <laughs> and she laughed, and I laughed, and she gave me two tickets. <laughs> no, she didn't. But you know, of of all the communications that she had with people that day at work. Which one do you think she remembered when she was home that night? That's the one that made her smile. That's always the message that's going to rise above. So how do you use that now in a serious setting? So I was I was at work and uh, a lawyer's I'm in a deposition and some lawyer's sniping at me. Okay, using all these big words that that people don't use in normal conversations. I know that surprises you. And. He took a break. He said, I got to get to an airport. And I shared that story with him. His whole demeanor changed. He was friendly. We walked out, shook my hand, said, you know, we'll work it out. Everything changed. So that one comment at the airport, that affected the police officer's day, my day, then the lawyer's day, and then my work day. Four positive impacts from one humorous touch. The second way you can use humor is to see the imperfections um, in our own lives. And people call this self-deprecating humor, but actually there's two different kinds. Uh, the first is, how do others perceive you? In other words, what are they saying behind your back? Right? Someone, someone who uh, did a wonderful job in this type of humor was actually President Reagan. When he was running for re-election, he had bombed a debate. And the, and the polls were tightening, and everyone was saying, is, is he too old? Is this guy just too old to be a re-elected president? So what did he do? He waited for the most intense moment. Final debate, October 1984, and in comes that question about age. And what did he say? I am not going to make age an issue in this campaign. I refuse to exploit, for political purposes, my opponent's youth and inexperience. <laughs> and the whole audience lost it. And it's, it's not even that the line itself is that funny. It's the fact that when things are really tense, you just need a drop of humor, and there is this big physical release. Everyone saw this as a very serious issue. He saw it as a moment to capture with humor. That night, they talked about strategic missiles, immigration, Russia, nuclear war. What was all over the news the next day? The humor. It works. The third way you can use it is to see the imperfections in our own lives in the mistakes that we make, maybe the dumb things that we do. So there was a person that I work with and she was so angry because this guy brought the smelliest, unhealthy, greasy food and cooked it in, in this lunchroom and it just stunk out the place every single day and she was upset. So anytime this, this type of conversation comes up, diet, health, I'll tell people about the first time I went to Whole Foods. And so it was a very wealthy neighborhood. I don't live there. Everyone's beautiful. And I walk in, 
And all I could think about was, okay, grass-fed meat, grass-fed meat, grass-fed meat. I walked back to the butcher, and, you know, all these people standing there, and so I take the number. You know, you know, four and a half years later, they call on you. I said, okay, can I have uh, uh, four of the chicken legs and four of the thighs and four of the breasts, please? You got it. Is that grass-fed? Chickens don't eat grass, sir. It's like, oh my God. I started walking away. Do you still want the chicken? Yeah, no, I want, I just, looking at the hummus, kale, and over, over here. Uh, these are life's outtakes, right? These are the bloopers, and we love bloopers. Not, not just because they're funny, but because there's these celebrities who make mistakes, just like we do. And then they laugh at themselves and that draws us to them. You see, humor, it draws people together, and we need more of that. So when you hear all the evidence that I've talked about, I mean, you may find something else out there that improves your health, lowers stress, lessens pain, stimulates creative thought, boosts collaboration, disarms, connects, builds trust, promotes social bonds, lifts us emotionally, and is the best means of communication in the world today. But I can't think of it. So companies, they can keep trying to change the physical location in the offices to kind of pull people together or have those team-building exercises uh, or, or maybe even the, the, the seminars with the thrilling breakout groups to try to pull people together. Or you can use humor and watch them come because that's what they'll gravitate to. It's what connects. That's what's inclusive. And if you ever doubt the strength of humor, know that it gave the legs to a man to stand here today and talk to you about it. 15 months after losing my 43-year-old wife. My everything. Four little kids at home. And I remember Thanksgiving last year, you're lost. And um, of course, the night before, the microwave breaks. And so I've got to go out and get a stainless steel microwave. And so I go to the store, and I get their microwave, and I get the microwave home, and I open the box, and I think, are you kidding me? Pick the box, back to the store I go, open it up, and I, customer service, I said, can you please explain to me why a stainless steel microwave has a turquoise-colored top and turquoise-colored sides? Well, yes, sir, you just peel off that wrap just like that, and there you go, the whole thing is stainless. I'll take it, it's fine. Did you ever work at Whole Foods? <laughs> Feel how it just lifted? Now go out and do it. Don't be afraid. I mean, do we want this to be a time known for being unafraid to send words out on the internet that hurt, but afraid to try to make another person smile? The evidence is in your hands. You get to decide whether to put humor on trial in your life. Whether you'll take what Mark Twain called mankind's greatest blessing and use it to its fullest potential 
every day, any situation, every touch of any heart, and see what your life can be when you get back to 300 smiles. Thank you.